You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hi there. You're back in the doctor's lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, bring you information about health care that you need so that you can advocate for your family and for yourselves with regard to your health care. We give you the information that doctors are talking about in doctors' lounges all across the country so that you'll be prepared and you'll be armed. Our show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led health care think tank in the country. Our um, website is www.the4pcfoundation.org. It's chock full of important information and resources, and we are dependent on you. We're doing the work out there for you, and we need your help. So I know there's a lot of people who listen to this show. I'm actually so shocked by the number of people who come up to me out of the blue and tell me that they listen to the show or I introduce myself to them. And they say, wait, I've heard your voice before. And uh, I, uh, I'm blown away because it's really, it's really humbling that people are listening to this and they're getting information. But we need your help. If this show is important to you, just go to your computer for a moment and go to our website and just donate $25, $50, $100. Give a, a recurring donation of $10 a month. This is the kind of uh, support that we need so we can continue to do the work for you that uh, will support the doctor-patient relationship and enable us at Docs for Patient Care Foundation to fight for your health care freedom. Wow. So here we are, the beginning of the Biden administration. And, you know, I um, the things that we're seeing, we, we told everybody that w- these things were going to happen. It, this is, this is uh, you know, not hyperbole. This is, this is reality. Um, but you know what? Um, uh, today, I have to tell you that I'm unprepared. I'm unprepared for today's show. Um, I'm unprepared because when I come to you to speak about health care, about topics, I am armed with a solution. I have ideas about what we can do to make things better. And right now, I don't see that things will get better. Not for a while. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. I know that it's going to be painful. And I know that um, lots of people um, are going to suffer and they're going to be hurt. But just like what happened in New York uh, 30 years ago, when they hit rock bottom in a Democrat stronghold crime rampant in the streets filth all over the place garbage just piling up on on street corners um, 
unsafe to walk down the street, even in broad daylight in some neighborhoods. We hit rock bottom in New York. I was living there at the time. And um, I have to say that um, it took it took uh, getting to the bottom to climb out, and that's just what New York did. Um, they uh, elected mayors for the next five terms that took law and order seriously, that looked out for the needs of the average citizen, the taxpayers, and did not put the the um, needs or, or the interests of the criminal element ahead of the average everyday Americans, the taxpayers, the citizens. And maybe that's what we need to see here in this country. I had a conversation with a uh, an old friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in a couple of years, but who is very influential in um, policy and communications. And um, we had a great conversation for an hour. And while I came to that conversation all depressed and and uh, not clear about what was going to happen and what to do. He was very clear what what needed to happen. We needed to continue to maintain our uh, ideals to be able to um, keep our chin up, to not despair, not to give in. We needed to do things better. He shared with me the philosophy of Ronald Reagan, who he uh, um, did not personally know, but people embrace Reaganism because it really transformed America um, at a time that was very important, very necessary. And Reagan was probably the best communicator in the White House that we have ever had. And um, he was masterful at making points by telling stories, by sharing um, sh- just just the, the trials and tribulations of everyday people and breaking down issues into, into little vignettes that people could relate to, that they could understand. And... He made his points not on a political basis, but on a personal basis, on a value basis. And that's really how his policies won the day. And I was reminded about that, and that's what we really needed to get back to, to be able to do a better job of telling everyone about the values that we have as Americans and tell the stories, not just talk about the values, not just talk about socialism, not just talk about um, you know the the uh, the policies of division, not talk about these from a political standpoint, but talk about them by telling stories, by by relating the 
hardships of some individuals or the successes of individuals and making the point about how our ideas as conservatives are better than their ideas as socialists. And, um, you know, every now and then we need a conversation like that with an influential person or a person that's influential in your life to pull you out of the the depths of depression or the or despair about what we're experiencing right now because it as the cliche goes it's always uh the darkest just before the dawn and um and there will be a better day but we have to do things better it doesn't mean that we can't be critical it doesn't mean that we can't point out the damage that's being heaped upon us all around us on a regular basis, but it does mean that we need to maintain our our dignity, our our sense of of uh, um, fair play. Not necessarily that we have to play by different rules than the other side is, but we need to. We, we can't climb in the gutter with them. And we need to convince people that that our ideas are, are better ideas. And we do that by pointing out the damage that the left is, is doing and by telling stories to emphasize that and to emphasize the positives about what we're trying to convey to people. Um the um, t- two things that are side issues before we get into the the topic that I really wanted to talk about, which is the Biden health care agenda, um, just to point out about what the left is capable of doing and why they are so dangerous um, for health care, that is. They're dangerous for everything, but dangerous for health care. Um, we saw a couple days ago, just with the stroke of a pen, that President Biden eliminated over 10,000 excellent jobs on the Keystone Pipeline just by putting it out of business, by halting construction. And... These are people who don't have a job now. These are people in a recession. Or not a re- we're not in a recession yet. We will be because interest rates are going to have to go up when taxes go up. And we'll be in a recession. That's, that's a, a certainty. Um, but, but these are people who, in a pandemic, who are experiencing financial hardships, now no longer have jobs because of the arrogance of the president and the the cast of characters that he has surrounded himself with who are socialists they are they are dangerous we hear oh they'll get replace those jobs with with um with better jobs or we've heard well these people who are in these professions made bad choices that that is the most arrogant thing that i have ever heard coming from somebody like a john Kerry, who is now the climate 
czar and who rides around the world in a private jet um, and who has more money from the Heinz family fortune because he's married to um, the heiress of the Heinz family. He is so out of touch with the average Americans, and you know how do you how do you just get rid of jobs without having a job for these people to go into immediately? Would you? I heard this on the radio this morning on a call or on a talk show. Would you take your front door off and leave it off without having another door to replace it with? How do you take away people's jobs and? and justify it. And I bring that up in the healthcare discussion because if they could do that with a stroke of a pen to people's jobs, imagine what they could do with healthcare. They could do the identical thing. With a stroke of a pen, they can say to you that they are no longer going to allow um, Medicare beneficiaries to get certain operations. With a stroke of a pen, they can say that they are no longer going to allow private health insurance. Or they may say that they're no longer going to allow people to get their health care directly from doctors in a direct primary care fashion, which those of you who are regular listeners to this show know is the best solution for the expensive health care crisis that we face with more affordable, better health care options. They could easily say everybody needs to be in Obamacare 2.0, Biden care. And nobody could get their care any longer outside of that system. That's very possible. So we talked about that, and we've heard people say, oh, no, 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 no. There's going to be uh, improvements in Obamacare, and there's going to be a public option, and there's going to be better options for everybody so that health care, which is, according to the left, a human right, a show that we can get into another time, but a human right, and everybody should get it. And we're going to make sure that they do. And they're going to do it within the system that we create. There's no coloring outside of the lines. And if you attempt to do that, you're going to be punished. We can see that. We've seen it three days ago with 10,000 jobs that just disappeared with the stroke of a pen. It can certainly happen again, and and uh, and I can foresee that happening. Here's another another um, sidebar issue that is not directly medical, but we can extrapolate it and make it into a, a foreseeable medical issue. It's the inability for people 
conservatives to communicate, to be able to share information. And let me give you a specific example. Just yesterday, we heard a whole hubbub about um, the, uh, the business GameStop. And I don't know if anybody is following this story, but it is absolutely fascinating. GameStop is a, a business, a company that's a gaming company. It's a, it's a store. It's around the country. It's a, 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 a publicly traded company. The um, hedge funds in the country have pretty much conspired to drive down the cost of GameStop, and and they do this on the options market, and they're dr- trying to drive down the value of the stock to zero. They've said it. They've pretty much admitted that they're doing this. Well, you know, gamers are are uh, are kids, right? Or, or young adults. They're they're uh, people. In many cases, they were living in their parents' basements, and they communicate um, by social media. And they got wind of what the hedge funds were trying to do, and they decided as a movement to fight back. And so they started buying GameStop stocks. So instead of the price going down, the price started going up because there were kids, young adults, putting in $250, $1,000, $5,000 into GameStop stocks. And it has risen 1,800%. And the hedge funds are losing their minds. They've lost billions of dollars because of this social media phenomenon by by unsophisticated investors who are angry at what the hedge fund world was doing. These investors were using the same tactics as the hedge funds, but the hedge fund managers did not like that because only they can play that game. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to do the same thing that the um, social media companies were doing with political opponents. They're trying to silence these gamers. They're trying to deplatform them so that they can no longer communicate and they can't coordinate with each other about how to fight back against the system. And this is so important for people to understand and to grasp. They can they can grasp this from a political standpoint when they hate Donald Trump and they associate everybody who believes in the principles that Donald Trump had stood by. Forget about the man. Forget about the message. Most Republicans, most conservatives stood by Trump 
not necessarily because of him, but because of what he accomplished, what he said he was going to do, and what he actually delivered on. And so anybody who is associated with supporting that agenda is de facto a a Trump supporter and needs to be silenced. And that's what Twitter, Facebook, um, Amazon, um, uh, uh, YouTube, that's what they've all done. They've deplatformed. They've tried to silence political dissent. Now what they're trying to do is they're trying to silence people who are fighting back against the system, against Wall Street. And, of course, that's not permissible either. So what happens when people try to fight back to uh, to um, uh, stand up for their health care freedom. The government tries to impose their will on individuals. And there's a movement to try to fight back where doctors or other health care professionals try to create options so that they can present alternatives to the public that are different than what the government wants for them, those people will get silenced. They'll get deplatformed. And the government will control the message there as well and shape behavior and push everybody into the system that they want to create. And again, we talked about that. These are things that we have we have brought up on a number of occasions that people have dismissed as crazy conspiracy thoughts that that uh, could not happen and yet we are living this today we are seeing this play out right in front of us and people need to understand that you're going to get the government that you vote for when you go to the ballot box and this is the government that people voted for they voted for a socialist a leftist government and they can tell you all the nice things that they want you to hear want you to believe but they've also shared their agenda what they're going to do and people dismissed it they said oh no that won't happen no they're really going to come back to the middle and they're going to govern from the middle and that's not what we're seeing in the first week of the biden administration and it will get worse before it gets better but again that does not mean that we give up as conservatives that does not mean that we give in We need to have better ideas. We need to share those ideas any way that we possibly can. We need to tell stories. Let's let's pull this back into health care and let's talk about the Biden health care initiative. What has he done in his first week in office? Well, we have seen 
some of the things that he promised that he would do. He um, has brought the United States back into the World Health Organization. Bully for him. Wonderful. World Health Organization, which the United States is the major financial supporter of, and he wants to, to, to reinstate that support. But worse, the WHO is a disgrace. It is a tool for China, and um, the WHO, in in many circles, in many respects, is complicit in this worldwide COVID nineteen pandemic by not exposing it early when they had information by condemning the moves that the United States made early on to try to contain it, by not holding China responsible for the pandemic, for the initiation of the pandemic, and uh, actually giving them uh, the, the ability to spread disinformation that the virus started in Europe and was in part an American plot. This is the WHO, and this is why Donald Trump pulled us out of the WHO, because they do not represent the interests of our country, and worse, they represent the interests of countries that are sworn to take down America, and we should not be supporting this, and yet this was one of the first executive orders that Joe Biden signed. He um, he signed the 100-day mask up. We're going to go back to masks in a little while, but the 100-day mask up requires all federal employees and contractors in all federal buildings and lands to be wearing masks. This is outdoors. This is in national parks wearing a mask. If you listen to these people who are just the stupidest people that I've ever heard who say follow the science they're the last ones who follow the science. They don't even know what the science is. But they're doing this, making these, taking these positions to satisfy a political agenda and to exert control. So if you decide that you want to go to Yosemite National Park and there's nobody around for, for 100 miles... You've got to wear your mask because you're susceptible to spreading COVID or getting COVID. So that's that's what your government, that's what your new president feels is an important move in the first days of his presidency. And then the the last of the uh, recent uh, executive orders that he signed. Um, is to reestablish a team in charge of the pandemic response 
within the National Security Council. So what he is doing is he's taking the National Security Council and taking a portion of that and devoting it to pandemic response. This is very, very scary. And the people that he's putting on these on these uh, uh, boards and councils are even scarier. Um, we're going to uh, dive more into some of the Biden health care um, agenda items that he has uh, created or plans to create when we get back in the next segment. So please stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us in the Doctor's Lounge. We're back with the second half of our show. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and um, we are talking today about the Biden health care uh, initiatives. Um, you know, I was having an off-line conversation with our producer, um, and. Um, he uh, was saying it's hard not to be depressed, and you know, and I understand that that's true. And I, I, I hearken back to the beginning of the Obama administration, um, you know, over a decade ago, where people knew that it was going to get bad, and um, you have two choices, right? You can either be depressed or you can uh, get motivated, um, get get angry, get motivated. Um, your anger can either be directed in a negative way you know, or in a positive way. And I choose to um, use 
what's happening to motivate me to um, try to work even harder to get our country, get health care back on the right track because we're heading down the wrong set of tracks with this train and uh you know it's gonna it's gonna hit the wall and it's gonna it's gonna crash um but but uh but things things move on and and we need to be prepared to make things better some of the proposals we were talking about the uh, the pandemic response team he put together a team which consists of um the uh, Surgeon General, which is a replay of the Obama Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, who is a big leftist and a big nothing, uh, Rochelle Walensky, who um, probably is the only bona fide uh, person on this team that has has the uh, bona fides to uh, to stand up to those who criticize this team. She's the uh, former um, chief of infectious disease at Massachusetts General Hospital, and um, she's now um, the CDC director. So you know, I can't I can't uh, say anything that is derogatory against Dr. Walensky. Um, and uh, what happens from this point will will speak for itself. But Fauci, the the uh, Swami Fauci, um, is the chief medical advisor um, on the COVID nineteen team. And uh, then there's Marcella Nunez Smith, who was the Associate Dean for Healthcare Equity Research at Yale, who is now on the COVID-19 task force as the Equity Task Force Chair. Equity, you know, this is uh, another one of the executive orders that that President Biden has signed into, uh, it, it signed, I guess it's not law, but signed the executive order that calls for racial equity. What does that even mean? What is racial equity? Is, is it equal opportunity? No, it's equal outcomes. And, you know, that's, that's an impossible thing to legislate, to mandate, because you can't have equal outcomes. You can provide people with equal chances, equal opportunity, and let them either thrive or fall flat on their face. But it's up to those individuals to determine what their fate is going to be if they're given equal opportunity. But equal outcome is something entirely different. You can have a person who works hard, who does everything that they need to do, they do it the right way, and somebody who is a complete screw-up. But at the end of it all, they come out with the same exact um, gains regardless. And that's what they're talking about with equity. And that is not... That's, again, socialism. That's not what our 
society, what our country, what our heritage stands for. So this is the COVID team, the healthcare team. It's going to be led by Javier Becerra, who is the former, he's been nominated as the secretary of HHS. He's a former California attorney general. He is a former seven-term California congressman. He is somebody who has zero, zero health care experience. So in a pandemic with so many problems facing us and a president who is committed to a left health care agenda buoyed by the socialists that he surrounded himself with, as the secretary of HHS, he puts somebody up there who has zero health care experience, but is there to check off a box, to check off a diversity box. Hispanic, leftist, Californian. And um, it it remains to be seen what is going to... uh, come out of HHS with his leadership. But wait, it gets even better. The assistant HHS HHS secretary that was nominated is Rachel Levine. Who is Rachel Levine? Rachel Levine is the former health secretary of Pennsylvania. She happens to be transgender. So she's the first transgender, um, high-ranking um, member of the cabinet. She's not a cabinet member. She's a se- assistant HHS secretary. But nonetheless, she's in a high-ranking position in one of the um, cabinet offices in government. She checks the box. She's transgender. And so this is being applauded by the transgender community. Never mind the fact that Rachel Levine is the worst person to be in HHS. Rachel Levine should be brought up on murder charges. Rachel Levine sent hundreds, if not more, seniors to their death in Pennsylvania getting the hospitals to unload their COVID-positive patients and send them back to nursing homes in Pennsylvania. And if that wasn't bad enough, she did that while she took her mother out of an assisted care facility so she would not be exposed to this. You talk about hubris. You talk about irresponsibility. Talk about somebody who is in a position in our government for health care that we can depend on? I don't think so. This is really outrageous. But she checks the box. And this is what these people are all about. It's about identity politics. It's about this is what what um, we're talking about when we are saying that there is going to be um, 
equality of uh, not not equal opportunity, but equity. It's checking the boxes. Doesn't matter whether they're qualified or not, whether or not they have skeletons in their closet or not. They check the box. They get the they get the position. Um, you know, we we talked about the healthcare team, and uh, I mentioned the great Fauci. And um, the latest thing that came out was about double masking. You know, it wasn't bad enough that we've got the mask mandate on federal grounds that Biden signed into, into an executive order. But now we've got people talking about double masking. And when interviewed about this, Fauci said, well... It makes common sense. If one mask is good, two must be better. There's no scientific evidence for this. He's using common sense. This is coming from a man who lied to the public about not wearing masks initially when he knew that in his heart that they would be useful. But he told the American public that they should not be wearing masks. This is coming from a man who opposed, initially, the travel ban from China. This is coming from a man who, in March, said that New Yorkers should go out to eat in restaurants and people should be encouraged to take cruises. So Fauci, who is being held up as the paragon of brilliance on the COVID pandemic is really a political animal and a fraud. And so when he says that two masks make more sense than one, that's not coming from a scientist. It's not coming from him looking at peer review articles with scientific information. He's saying it just makes common sense. Well, you know what makes common sense? Wear three masks. Why not four masks? You know, if one mask is is important and two would be better, wouldn't four even be more beneficial? Wouldn't that be better? Makes common sense to me. The absurdity of all this can't be overstated. So let's talk about the proposals for pandemic help that is going to be coming as more executive orders. Today, Biden is signing several other health care executive orders. One is going to be to expand the Obamacare exchanges. Another is going to be um, for um, Medicare expansion. So let's talk about what some of these um, proposals are. Um, he's proposing 100% COBRA tax credit for people laid off because of COVID-19 pandemic. And that would be in effect until September 30th of this year. It's going to cost $1.9 trillion. Now, I have to tell everyone that I'm not necessarily opposed to every one of these Biden proposals. Far from it. 
but you just need to take this in its entirety to understand the scope of what is happening. And um, Biden claimed that he was going to fix COVID and make our country safer and get us out of this when he was running for office. Just the other day, he was confessing that he really didn't have a way of getting us out of this, that it was going to have to take its own trajectory. So his his campaign promises, his rhetoric were all a bunch of lies, as most Democrat politicians will spew out when they have no ideas on, on their own, no, no original ideas, but they are against what the current administration is doing. Biden is getting the benefit of the vaccination regime, even though there are tremendous glitches in the vaccinations. Don't forget, these same Democrats claimed that we wouldn't have a vaccination until the middle of 2021 and maybe not even until 2022. And they were so wrong about this, but they used that as a political weapon against Trump and other Republicans. Now they're um, faced with the, the prospect of getting the vaccinations to everybody and in everybody's arms and running into a tremendous amount of trouble. Of course, that blame will be laid at the feet of Donald Trump, but nonetheless, they now own it and they're having difficulty with it. But getting back to the proposals that I support, you know, there are a lot of people who did lose their jobs from COVID and consequently their health care insurance. And those people should be able to get support for maintaining their health insurance um, with um, tax credits. I think that's a, a, a reasonable approach to doing this. And whether it's a 100% tax credit or some percentage uh, less than that so that um, uh, the, the price tag was not quite so huge uh, is, is something, is a subject that is um, open for debate. But, but people do need to get uh, help to stay on their health insurance when they've been laid off from their jobs. Another proposal for pandemic help in the Biden administration is to expand tax credits for people getting insurance through the Obamacare marketplace. That would occur by increasing credits, the tax credits to individuals who earn more than 400% of the net of the federal pol- uh, poverty line as you people might recall um there were subsidies on the Obamacare exchanges, and the amount of subsidy is dependent on how much money you earn. And so people who were earning up to 400% of the federal poverty line, and that um, amounted, if I'm not mistaken, to $98,000, that's 400% of the federal poverty line, 
Um, now they want to increase it and give subsidies to people who make more than that. Another way to expand the tax credits that they're proposing is to make sure that individuals do not have to spend more than 8.5% of their income on health insurance. Currently, it is 9.86%. And um, again, these are measures to help people who are um, who are hurting, who are in need of help because they're either making less money in the COVID uh, pandemic or their health insurance has gone up, which it should not be doing because there's actually less health care being delivered. So the insurance companies should not be raising premiums, although we know that they are. Um, and so I, I can't say that I, I um, am... Um, 100% opposed to these uh, Biden administration proposals. Nor am I against the another proposal, which is to expand mental health, because right now um, mental health in this country is abysmal. And um, it has been decimated by cuts. Uh, 99% of the inpatient um, mental health beds have been eliminated over the last 30 years. And we know that the number of mental health issues that have surfaced in the pandemic have been um, just just uh, out of proportion to what expectations were. Depression, a- uh, anxiety, um um, uh, child or domestic abuse, suicide, childhood suicide has skyrocketed, and that has to do with not being in school, a subject for another show. We don't have time to really get into that today. But the um, mental health um, uh, support in this country needs needs um, a lot of of help and um, and that's what the the Biden administration um, at least pays lip service to uh, fixing that will also help with another big problem that we're seeing around the country which is the homeless problem most of which are people with mental disorders and so um, so this is very important um, another couple of proposals for pandemic help are to fund, specifically fund programs to support victims of domestic violence, which, as I mentioned, is on the upswing. It is reaching epidemic proportions because of the stresses caused by the pandemic. And then additional funding for veterans' health care and for Native American health care. So it's really hard um, to to push back against these Biden proposals for help during the pandemic. And I, I want to be fair. I want to be an honest broker um, and be able to... Uh, um, tell people that there is, uh, you know, not everything coming out of the Biden administration from health care is going to be a bad idea. All of these issues that I mentioned um, are part of the conversation, and and you can get people to support in a bi- 
partisan fashion. It's the other stuff that goes along with it that people need to be leery about. And what would that be? Well, it's the stuff that they're talking about beyond the pandemic. That would be the public option. The public option we've talked about, regular listeners know what that means. It is the government-run health care program, which will put private insurance out of business because you cannot have a private enterprise that is competing against the government. It will not work because private government, private enterprise cannot print money and the government can, and they can take a loss and they can, they can run things into the ground and pub, uh, private businesses can't survive. So, so they will get out of the healthcare market. They will no longer deliver uh, private health insurance, and then we will be faced with only one option, which is the public option, the government option for healthcare. That is, unless of course there are other options like direct primary care, people going outside and getting their care directly from the doctors, which. As I mentioned in the first half hour, maybe something that the government um, squashes, just like they squashed 10,000 XL uh, Keystone Pipeline jobs. Beyond the pandemic, the Biden administration wants to expand Medicare eligibility. Right now, seniors are eligible for Medicare when they reach 65 years of age or earlier if they're collecting Social Security benefits. They want to change that. Some people want to allow 60-year-olds to be able to get Medicare um, uh, benefits. Some are even suggesting 55. And here we go. This is Medicare for all. It's, it's happening. As that age gets lower and lower and lower, that is the Trojan horse for government-run health care. Again, if you are 55 and you're getting your care from the government, why would you want to pay for insurance? Unless, of course, you knew or you experienced the inability to get the kind of health care that you needed from the government, like we see in Great Britain, and people go outside that system to the private market and get the health care that they need or want in a timely fashion. It remains to be seen whether the left here will tolerate that and even allow that to happen. Finally, beyond the pandemic, what the um, next proposal is that's on Biden's plate and, and you have to understand that Biden doesn't come up with these executive orders or these ideas. He's got a whole group of leftists who are just right, or who are nipping at his heels like a bunch of jackals who are just throwing executive orders at him to sign and like a, like a, like a, a little wooden puppet, he is doing 
um, they're bidding. He is uh, signing everything that the left wants because he has no backbone, no ability to stand up to these people. He is just a puppet president who is allowing the left to achieve their agenda. So this is one that hits close to home for me. As a pediatric urologist, this terrifies me, which is to get rid of the CHIP program, which is the Child Health Insurance Program. That's a program for insuring um, uh, poor uh, children in the country and replacing it with, get this, Medikids. Medikids would be a low-cost federal health care plan for young people with no income threshold. So if you're a parent and you're going to have to be taking care of your family and you work and you get insurance and you have an opportunity to um, take your children off your health care plan and save a couple of hundred bucks a month, your kids can be in many kids and then they will be in line to get the care that they are going to need and they may not get that care in a timely fashion they may not get their vaccinations as uh, on schedule they may not be able to get the elective operation that you feel that they should have because that medikids line is wrapped around the building several times. That terrifies me as a pediatric um, uh, health care provider. So we've covered a lot of ground today about what some of the new health care initiatives are in the Biden administration and his team and the problems. But um, keep your chin up. Don't get depressed. Get involved. Get angry and do something so that you can tell the story and teach people why what's happening right now should not be happening, and you have a better idea. Thanks for being with us. I'll be back in two weeks. Join my co-host, Dr. Scott, next week in in the Doctor's Lounge. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.